afternoon on the East Coast. Good morning on the West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dyes, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you? Leave the audience wanting more. Our guest today, Jim Knight with a K. His info is right there. His website's right there in the episode description. He's going to join us because he does exactly the same thing. He talks to people about how to make your brand, your culture, and your leadership rock like a band. And why wouldn't you want to? Big question mark. I've told this story before, and I've actually practiced telling it very, very quickly as an example of the kind of loyalty that a band can inspire. Join me back in the halcyon days of my high school years at Converse Judson High School down near San Antonio, Texas. I had a friend named Leah. She was a deaf leopard super fan. She wore the concert t-shirts every day. She wore the bandanas with deaf leopard, the pins, Everything with her was Def Leppard. They were the greatest band in the world in her mind, and there was not a thing you could do to convince her otherwise. Well, during, I believe, our senior year in high school, the drummer for Def Leppard was involved in a terrible car accident and lost his arm. That's right. The drummer lost his arm. Well, when I got to school the next day and this news had broke, there's Leah with her group of young ladies, and she's crying like she's lost a dear, beloved family member. And like an idiot, I walk over there and say, in an attempt to kind of lighten the mood, Hey, Leah, look at the bright side. He'll get half off on all of his drumsticks. Well, that joke did not go over so well. I, I, I've told this story so many times. She didn't smack me. She sort of, I always say she wildcatted me. She sort of like grabbed me and shook me like, what is wrong with you? Now, my first thought was Leah was hiding a really nice figure under those baggy concert t-shirts. But any hope I had at dating Leah, who I'd known since elementary school, had evaporated. All right. Now, 20 years later... Our high school graduating class is getting ready for its reunion, and it wasn't even Facebook. I think it was classmates or MySpace, whatever it was. We had some special things set up, early social media, uh, to get this 20-year reunion scheduled. And I'm at work here in the studio. I use another computer for this new social media thing, and I hear ping. I look over. Oh, Leah, and it's her old last name and her new last name, like a request, connection request. I accept it. Go back to working. A few seconds later, ping, instant message from Leah. I click on the message and it says, bleep you, Jason. I'll never forgive you for what you said. Ping, disconnected. Folks, 20 years later, and she was still upset about it. That is loyalty. That's the kind of loyalty a band can inspire in people. And it's exactly the kind of loyalty you want in your brand, in your business. Of course, the epilogue to that story, I do have a drum set here in the studio. Every now and then a drumstick will break. And so I'll take out a new pair of drumsticks. So I always have a couple of extra drumsticks laying around. Did a little internet research, found Leah's new address and mailed her one single drumstick. 
Next, we're heading out to Orlando, Florida to visit with Jim Knight, and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 12 years and over 700 episodes, conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, the hangover, and without the expense report. This is the one and only Power Performance Podcast. Hey, Jim. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Hey, it is so good to have you on. Well, everyone has a favorite band, a musician, and they can't be talked out of it. You heard me talking about it in the setup. Loyalty, lifelong loyalty. Every business brand wants that kind of loyalty. Tell us how you help them achieve it. Yeah, you know, I think uh, just like you were talking, the product and the environment is now, I think, the price of admission. You kind of have to be awesome. You've got to be a monster to be able to do those just to be able to, to get into the game. I think where you really start to create loyalty is in human behavior. It's how you treat the end user, the customer, the client, the guest, whatever it is. And if you can, in my opinion, personalize and customize and individualize the experience, if you do that so well, just like a band, you create an emotional attachment that you pretty much have me forever. It will take somebody to not just have the same product and have it cheaper and across the street. Like you're going to really have to do something fantastic to convince me to start going to you. So I think it ultimately leads to that price per value loyalty that everybody talks about. You create some mind-searing experiences. Boy, it'll tip the value scale and justify price and help me keep coming back to the well. I totally agree. I love what you said about personalize it. My mother to this very day is a lifelong fan of the great Neil Diamond. And she said yep. to me one time, I asked, why, why do you like Neil Diamond so much? And she said, because when he's singing, I feel like he's singing to me. And so that yeah. personal connection, you know, you can have the, it always, it's always curious, you have the greatest brand and the greatest advertising and the greatest marketing but it always comes down to that one-on-one interaction with somebody at your brand because if it's not memorable, like you said, there's plenty of musicians out there. There's plenty of banks and credit unions out there that people can go find. And now all the fintechs and all the options to the traditional banking brands, you have to be a rock star these days, don't you? You do. And, and I think that she's exactly right. It, you could pick any artist. It doesn't matter what genre. If they make you feel like that, you got me. You got me forever, and, and it's not just because maybe you got them early in their career or it was, uh, you were forced to discover them. You just create that loyalty, and I, just, I, I really believe that, and I think, I think companies can do that. They just they got to they gotta start imposing some will to make sure that people are doing that. Oh, that's a great point, um, and, and this sort of dovetails into my next question. I spent 12 years speaking professionally, and candidly, yeah. Jim, there were a lot of mediocre speakers out there. When you ask people <laughs> the Gallup poll, what's the most thing that what's the thing that people fear the most? It's speaking in public. So as long as you're willing Number to get one. up there and speak on the stage, it, you, there are very few people that are willing to do that. And as I used to say, everybody's dynamic in air quotes in the brochure. 
in the conference flyer, yep. in the conference PDF. <laughs> then they crack open their laptop with their 60 PowerPoint slides and their dry warm-up line, and you see people dozing off. After COVID-19, yeah. I know people are going back to live events, are going to want more than that PowerPoint presentation. They're going to want energy. They're going to want excitement. They're going to want stuff that really makes an impression, and you pursue that in your live events, much as the way we used to. Tell us about those live events and those training events and why people should be calling you and saying no to PowerPoint and yes to being a rock star. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, it's probably my main focus because that's how I make a living as a keynote speaker. And like you did for 12 years, you've realized, just like Gallup said, it's the number one reason why people, you know, they, 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 they freak out more than insects, and heights, and, and even depth, being in front of other people. And I think now if you've got that talent, if you've got the ability to not just deliver content, but, but absolutely slake it because now it's no longer good enough to just be smart and competent and have letters in front of your names and, and that's maybe what gets you up on stage. If you can't engage people when you actually get there, if you can't impact them and influence them while they're sitting in front of you, you're not going to make it. And, and the vice versa is true as well. You can't just go up there and do a song and dance and it be fun for people, but they got nothing out of it. And so I think for me, my content, you know, is just completely replete with, with practical and tactical concepts that are, that are tried and true in a lot of ways, but it is about the delivery. It, it's got to be fun and engaging, and I think that provides that stickiness. And, and for me, it creates what I call edutainment. You've got to have that on both ends. I love that. Edutainment, boy. If I used hashtags, that would be one of the ones I used. If I were still on Twitter, I would be using edutainment all week talking about this show. And, of course, when I was speaking professionally, I told you this in the pre-call, that one of the lines that I would use that would really get, get people's attention when I would say music is the ultimate multicultural, multigenerational language of our shared humanity. And music provides yeah. so many applicable lessons that can be applied to any business or brand. When you're speaking, when you're intentionally engaging your audience, what are some of your favorite musical lessons and metaphors that can be applied to any business? Oh man, you know there there are so many. You're right. You know, I first off, I do know that there's some really cool connection between brands and bands. You know, so I, I talk about a, a band actually would be like a company team, and I use that analogy because they both deal with collaboration and conflict. You've got both of those. You know, you're focusing mm -hmm. on high performance. We both know that the leaders of a band or a brand provide direction, but everybody has to have a voice, right? They've got to be heard. And so I think there's a lot of that, and I use a lot of those analogies in my sessions, whether it's two or the who or the stones or, or, or Oasis. I, I do a lot of cultural or leadership points with those bands, but to make it specific to the company. But, you know, there are a lot of things I think about all the time. I study the stuff of how can I create the nuances of a set list. I try and model my talks after that. Do my voice inflections change throughout the entire story, however much time I have. Do I get the crowd involved, which is obviously great from a band standpoint. I, I try and create emotional connections, just like a band would. Um, I try and do things that maybe the audience is gonna hear something different and, and live versus the same old, same old, or maybe what they would normally hear on the radio or on the album. 
Um, you know, I weave in a lot of rock and roll analogies. I, I sometimes play music clips underneath the band, but I, I try and do it so it's not taking them out of the moment. Uh, I use language like rock stars for top talent or lip syncers for slackers. You know, and then it doesn't help that I think just myself. You know, I, I have a music degree. I was 21 years at Hard Rock International. On stage, I've got the blue jeans and the spiky hair and the rock and roll gear. So, again, I think your question, I try and think of everything I can think of without taking them away from the actual meatiness of the talk, but do it in such a fun, edutaining way that, that again, it will provide that stickiness that they'll make their world better. Yeah, I'll tell you one of my favorites that I can share with everybody here real quickly is the concept of tempo. I know we've all been there. You get a voice message left on your voicemail. Hey, Jim, this is Jason. Give me a call back at <laughs> friends, Romans, <Yep>. countrymen. <laughs> Imagine a quarter note. All right, seven of them with a rest, an eighth rest in between the third and the sixth number. It is eight, three, zero, rest, seven, zero, eight, rest, four, six, zero, nine. And then you've got the little yes. two codas. Repeat it just to be safe while the guy finds a pen or pencil on his desk. And I, but it's, it is one of my pet peeves. I hear people do it all the time all the time, yep. they sound great, and then they spit out that number so fast. So tempo, tempo, tempo. There are very few really romantic love songs that are played at 180 beats per minute, right? Exactly. It's how you set the mood, right? And music provides so many great lessons for that. It's a really fun medium to work in, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, I do think about that. You know, I was using that analogy of a set list. I'm doing the same thing. I, I am probably in front of an audience. And I know even when you and I talked on the phone, I'm loud, I'm fast, I'm aggressive, I'm quite mobile. There's a lot going on in my session. But I also know there's a moment where I've got to stop and be quiet and let the, you know, that wow. moment just sort of capture for a second. But then just like a, a concert. There is no rock concert ever that ends on the rock ballad. You want to do the slow song? You want to have that moment? Yes, but then right behind exactly. it, woo, 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 like you got to rev it back up and you're coming to hit, <laughs> constantly thinking, what can I do in this moment right now to rock the audience's face off? But I've got to do that in a lot of different shades of rock and roll. But when I can get them to the end, and there's, again, some meatiness for them to go, boy, that was an awesome use of my time, then I've won. We've all won. Absolutely. Absolutely. I talk about that, too. I talk about don't step on the silence. Playing the drums the way yes. I do. There's a couple of songs. There's a couple of songs where there's a pause or at the end that crescendo fades out to one final snare tap or one final cymbal yep. crash. And I got to tell you, Jim, that is the hardest thing is to get that last note perfect, because if you come in a second too early or a second too late, it ruins the entire ending. And so, yeah, it is a great, yeah. it is a great medium to work in. And there's, I mean, we, we could, we could do a podcast for 45 hours here talking about this, but, but since the show is only <laughs> about 20 it. minutes, I want to move on <laughs> to the final question. Or maybe we can have you back. You're always welcome back on this program. Since we're Thanks, talking brother. about, music, since we're talking about rock concerts, I always like to ask this question. What was your first rock concert? Do you remember? I do. I think everybody remembers their first rock they concert, do. right? Mine was 
mine was a little bit poppy. Uh, mine was Duran Duran, you know, 1983 ah. in Lakeland, Florida. So about an hour, hour and a half away from me. But yeah. later on that same year was uh, Yes. And I, I grew up as a prog rock guy, so I'm a huge fan of Yes and Genesis and King Crimson and Marillion and all those guys. That that stuff influenced me quite a bit. A lot of keyboards, a lot of harmonies, you know, 12-minute songs. <laughs> I loved it. But Duran Duran, not, not a bad one to see first, I'll say. Oh, not at all. And I went right out and bought a white linen jacket and light-colored pastel shirts and dressed like Simon Le Bon for the entire summer of we 1983. So, yeah. Yeah, we did. Jim also told me when he relaxes, he enjoys reading, he enjoys college football, and I, like I said, I've got his contact information right there in the episode description, and we thanked him so much for joining us on the Power of Performance podcast. I had a blast. Thanks, Jason. Rock on. Great job. Rock on indeed. Folks, say goodbye to these hour-long webinars and these boring conference sessions. You know a lot of it's mediocre. A lot of it does not rock. And if you're training that way, you're going to perform that way. And you heard Jim say it, and I've been saying it for 12 years. You need to leave the audience wanting more. That is the power of performance. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jason Dyes, and until next we speak... I'll talk to you all next week. Take care. This is why webinars and PowerPoints send me hate mail. 